0: Hi, my name is Lisa Aegis This is the Glorious Hoof Podcast, and you're listening to Episode 4, Environmental Impacts on Hoof Health. So lately, well, the whole of summer, so it's summer for here, us in Australia, it's February at the moment, and the whole of summer has been really difficult for us, um, especially, well, us as a country in general as you all know and also for us as in uh, horse people uh, hay has been super expensive it's been it, we've had a horrible drought um there's been like no grass available uh, then we had our fires for literally months on end, like the fires that were burning near my place in Sydney, uh Gospers Mountain Fire, and oh, is it Green Wattle Creek? I'm pretty sure it's called. They're the two main fine ones up in the Blue Mountains as well. um But they'd been burning for months and months and months. It was just it was just nuts. Stinking hot temperatures, like I'm talking 45, 50 degrees. Um, and which is very difficult to get out and trim horses in, and shoe horses in because it's just it's just it's physically too hot to even stand there, let alone be doing physical work. Then we had these, we've had some floods. I don't know if you guys have heard overseas, but we've had some really bad floods. So we had just this last week, we had um, oh how many millers of rain in my area it was like nearly two hundred mils of rain in one day. Which is unbelievable. We had some terrible flooding, um, bridges closed in the Hawkesbury. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. Plus, on top of that, I've been I've been unwell. Um, not I've had a terrible cough, and sore throat, da da da. So, summer's been really tough, and I'm so looking forward to it to be being over. But I am. It made me think of uh, like the environment, the weather, the climate, whatever has made me want to do an episode on environmental impacts on Hawkes um i reckon we just dive right in so i've got some notes here so if you hear me clicking with my mouse that's me looking at my my word document um i wanted to start off with well the last few days we've had some ridiculously wet weather so the horses have been really struggling um with their feet just this last week we had like we had horses standing in knee high chest high water for 24 hours or more um and i've noticed this week there's been quite a few horses that have got like starting to develop a greasy hill, or um, what's the other word for it? Oh, it slipped my mind. Mud fever. That's it. Uh, so I've had my clients being treating their horses for that. Even horses that don't have white socks have been having a bit of troubles with that bit of swelling, the skin's pink, um, they're sensitive, they're holding their feet up in the air, they're a bit difficult to trim because they don't want to bend, like they can't bend properly or they're worried about me hurting them. So that's one environmental impact. But, you know, we don't always have floods. So I just wanted to go through stuff that I normally see in my area. I'll just state now that I don't have any, being in Sydney, Australia, I don't have any experience with snow feet or uh, desert feet Um, so if anybody would like to comment on environmental like how how snow or desert impacts hooves I would love to hear from you guys. For me mostly in this area um, we deal with what do we got here I've got wet weather I've got dry weather um, shedding season soul frog shedding season I want to talk a little bit about periopal uh like the periopal what the weather affects that um i want to talk about the way the different ways you trim for when it's wet and dry i want to talk a little bit about pea gravel and then i'm going to talk a little bit about um a couple of other things just little quick things wet weather so i want to start off by saying like wet weather is fine horses didn't evolve in a particularly wet environment but they can cope with wet weather as long as it's clean wet weather if they've got plenty of turnout if they have somewhere dry to stand in between all the wet times like uh, you know um, coming in I guess under a shelter with nice dry clean bedding you know not being stuck in mud all the time mud especially urine and feces in case mud uh can have a real negative effect on the horse we went over a little bit we went over this a little bit last week with the thrush And the hoof infections like they've got to have somewhere clean to stand when when it's really when it's raining quite heavily and the mud doesn't stick in their feet it kind of washes out we don't see thrush issues at that point um we i I tend to tell my owners don't worry about trying to keep the hooves clean or do any kind of thrush prevention while it's raining heavily but once the mud sticks in their feet that's when you should start your thrush, thrush prevention Um, The other things we see in wet weather, uh, we can get soles that kind of wash out a little bit. They get a little bit thin just from being standing in the wet rain. They're more easily exfoliated uh, and that can make horses a bit sensitive and sore. Uh, And then there's another thing called retracted soles, which you see quite commonly and when like a few years ago before I knew that this had a term these kind of feet scared me a little bit and they still do. So Esco Buff is a fairy from America uh, and he defines retracted souls as souls that are thin and abnormally cupped. Uh, the sole kind of looks like it's been sucked up into the arch of the the p3 bone. Uh, it looks like like there's a lot of concavity, a lot of cupping. Like it looks like a like a heavy bowl, a lot of cupping in the foot, um, and they'll have, quite often they'll have a toe callus, and then a sharp incline, like a sharpness, like almost a ninety degree um, concavity uh, right behind the uh, toe callus. It's very sharply defined the toe callus. Uh, and the soles can be very, very thin in this in this situation. So if you can, if you look up uh, retracted soles, uh, radiographs will come up, and you'll see from the side it looks like they have a really long toe, but then and a very thin sole. So these horses, like it, 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 it like they're very sensitive. Like sometimes you can just push on their soles with your thumb, and they react. Uh, to that thumb pressure that can be how sensitive they are and other horses have got really badly retracted soles after um normally wet weather but they don't react at all we're not quite sure what causes reacted retracted soles as a as a hoof care community we're not quite sure what's actually going on there because it's like they can be very very sore they can be very sensitive after trim they can be um You know, quite often it occurs during wet weather when the horse is in muddy and wet conditions, Um, but it can occur in dry conditions too. It's really confusing. So um, this is why we're not quite sure what's happening. But we do know that as farriers and trimmers, when we come across this retracted sole, we need to be really, really careful with our trimming. Uh, They can be very, very sore if the walls are trimmed to what looks like a normal height above sole thickness uh, or above the, the live sole because what you're really doing is you're going into, you're like, you end up trimming the foot way too close to to live corium. So, um, you know, what to do. The best things to do if your horse has got retracted soles, uh, you need to get them out of the wet if they're in wet or you need to get them out of the environment that seems to be causing it. Um your trimmer or area needs to trim the foot very, very carefully. Leave toe height, like the depth in the toe. You need to leave it alone. Barely trim it. Uh even if the horse has got low angles in the heels. Uh, quite often they appreciate the sole being protected. Uh, my favorite way of doing it is to with boots and pads, because that's that's not it's the least invasive method. But boots and pads, especially if it's a wet uh like a wet environment retracted sole situation boots can get quite quite wet inside just from it's not the hoof sweating but they just they just get wet um so you need to make sure with your boot care that you're taking the boots off every day drying them out using a um like a a, like a powder in them to keep them dry inside Alternatively, in mild cases, I'll use armor, which we spoke about last week, that, um, that product that you can paint on the soles to help thicken up the soles, that can, that can help in mild cases. Or if the horse is really sore and struggling, uh, you need. I like to shoe them in a, in a heart bar, like a polyurethane heart bar, like the, the Flex. Uh, I would imagine also if you're traditionally shod, uh, using a pad would be helpful as well, I would imagine. Anything that's going to get that, protect that soul and allow it to, um, you know, build up over time. It, in my experience, you know, it can take a number of trimming cycles to grow. You've got to grow out the bad retracted souls. They don't, they don't fill back in again, like the space doesn't fill back in again. It's got to be grown out. So it's a waiting game. So that can take two, three, four. Five six trimming cycles. It can take a long time, but in my experience, if you catch it really early, like as in your horse is on a nice short four week trim cycle, for instance, uh, it can resolve before the next trim. If if you as the owner are really proactive about the environment your horse is in and removing what you know what you you and your farrier or trimmer decide, you know what what the contributing factors are. When left barefoot, it can take a bit longer for them to get better. So that's Retracted Souls. So Esco was kind of the first person to define it, I guess. Um, When I looked online, I found his article. uh, uh, The butler, uh, farrier people also described it as well, and Daisy Bicking, and that's where I was exposed to it, well, exposed to the name of it first is through Daisy Bicking. Let's move on to dry weather. So obviously in summer in Australia we get a lot of really dry weather, Uh, And we've just been through a drought, excuse me. And during long dry spells, uh, a lot of the problems we see with retained sole, it might not necessarily be a problem. Horses retain sole and they build up sole thickness during dry spells. Uh, You know, the sole becomes more dense. It almost looks like polished marble, right? And it's often very, very hard. It can provide extra comfort, like your horses tend to be sounder, I guess, but if there's excess sole being retained and the horse is not able to drop that and the farrier trimmer is not trimming it out as appropriate, it can cause bruising uh, in the corium, solar bruising in the corium. Eventually they do drop this retained sole, so and I, tr- I tried really hard to find some uh, scientific literature on this and there doesn't seem to be any, which is very interesting to me because i have this theory about when they drop retained salt right so it usually occurs twice a year you'll almost always see horses well in my area anyway in sydney twice a year you'll see horses they'll just all of a sudden they'll let go of all this retained salt it can be quite thick it can be you know where's my ruler it can be you know a centimeter thick maybe even more so you know half an inch thick sometimes and and the, the frogs will peel out as well so i have a couple of theories so i seem to find that they shed their frogs and they shed their souls during the t- same time that they're shedding their coats like the, when they shed their winter coat and when they should their, shed their summer coat and grow a winter coat and i've also seen it this past year because we've had so much retained soul with our drought is that that they're, they're shedding it when they're when they're doing their half coat as well I don't know if you guys are aware but horses will shed their summer coat and grow a winter coat and halfway through winter they'll do like a mini shed and grow a new winter coat this is why we need to reclip horses in the winter if we clip them then they'll shed their winter coat and grow a summer coat and then halfway through summer they'll shed their summer coat and grow another summer coat um but yeah I almost always see almost every horse will shed twice a year, their soles and their frog. And especially after summer, after a dry spell, if there's any hint of moisture, like, you know, say the juice starts to stick to the ground in the morning or whatever, and I think um, that's because then, like, the, the moisture will get in underneath. Like, you'll notice the soles start cracking and the moisture gets in underneath the sole and creates like a little fungal infection underneath there and that helps lift it. Once it's lifted out, um, I find that that it's not truly a thrush infection. It's it's just it, like it's just opportunistic, and the 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 sole sheds out, and you don't have an issue with it afterwards. Now, making trimming decisions during sole shedding time can be quite difficult for barefoot horses. Some horses are fine. Like you'll be trimming, and I've got videos on my YouTube page um, of some good ones where, like you'll be able to flick it out with your finger almost um, or just, you, you know, flick it out with a hoof knife and it comes up in big chunks and it normally likes to let go uh, in the quarters first and it hangs on in the bar and you can flick it up under the bar and then it really does hang on in that toe underneath the P3 area, the tip of the P3 in the in the front part of the sole and normally hangs on quite a lot there. So depending on the horse and depending on if they have sufficient sole thickness, depending on if they have, um, you know, I don't know, it just depends on the horse. But generally, when I'm trimming, I like to be able to get it all out if it's ready to come out, if it flicks out easily. If it's hanging on, you can kind of tell the difference when you're trimming. I'll leave it in there. It's gonna look ugly half the time. And then um, I'll normally leave a little bit of extra wall height for these horses because they're new, fresh sole, it's it's there, it's healthy, but it's not quite ready to be weight-bearing and and you know, it's not dense like the old sole. So sometimes they can be a little bit sensitive around sole shedding time. Um, And, you know, it, it, I really hate when I get to the point where I can tell it's going to shed in the next week or two, but it's not quite ready to let go yet. And I can't trim the foot enough. Like I can't, because tr- once the sole flicks out, then you've got tall walls, right? And then tall walls on dry ground, especially, are really, really um, susceptible to chipping, cracking, that kind of thing. So, Every now and again, like the trim cycle just won't uh, work for that particular horse during soul, sh- soul shedding season, and I might do a shorter trim cycle. I go, it's not ready to come out now. I think in four weeks, I think it's going to come out in a week or two. Uh, but I don't want, I don't want to go backwards with this horse's hoof development. So let's come. I'll come back. I'll do a little trim today, and then I'll come back out in a couple of weeks, whatever. Um. Okay. Knowing, this is significant for an owner, especially during dry weather, because if you are prepared for soul shedding season, number one, it's not going to scare the crap out of you when you start picking horses feet and they've been going so well for so long. And then all of a sudden there's all these big chunks of soul and frog coming out. And number two, you can be prepared. You can say, well, I think, you know, I've got that competition coming up and, you know, I'd I'd love to take him barefoot, but he's probably going to be a bit sensitive. If the soul's coming out, why don't we do one round of um you know polish shoes or whatever let's just shoe him for this cycle or um you know if it's a thin-soled horse that we've been trying to develop cell thickness on and he's recovering from subclinical laminitis or whatever uh have some hoof boots on hand ready to go for these times when when you know the horse is, needs to cope with a changing foot due to the environment um The other thing with dry weather is the ground can become very, very hard and the concussive forces can cause inflammation in the foot, especially in the corium, which will cause soreness, might cause a little bit of bruising. Uh, So mitigating those, um, you know, try not to work your horse on hard-baked ground would be great. If he has to live in that area or has to move over those really hard ground, um, boots and pads, Boots and pads are really good in that situation, um, or shoeing with poly shoes when it's really hard. I've had quite a few horses that were doing wonderfully barefoot uh, before the drought got too bad, and then they just were not coping anymore because the ground was just too hard. So we've got I've got a number of horses in shoes at the moment, and they'll probably go back to barefoot now that we've had a lot of rain because the ground will be soft again. Um, but we had to we had to do that for those guys. So just being aware of hard ground most, most horses with healthy feet deal with the hard ground okay, but it can definitely be um, a uh, cause soreness. For me, oh also the dry hard ground will also cause more wear. In the toe for horses who might be inclined to drag their toes because of, um, and we'll go over this more. I'm having my friend Michelle from Horse in Hand come and do an episode with me. She uh, is a massage therapist uh, for horses, so I'm really excited to talk to her. So we'll go through that a bit more. But horses who have got some body soreness or whatnot, they will drag their toes in the ground, especially hind toes. And during when the ground's really hard, it's it can it can be quite abrasive. So if your horse's hind feet are squaring off, get on top of your body worker. Um, What else have we got here for dry weather? Oh, dry weather does not cause cracks, not in my experience. If the horse is on a good trim schedule and has got fairly healthy feet, just because the ground is dry doesn't mean that you need to start painting your horse's hoof with hoof oils or you know getting moisture into the foot. Hoof cracks mostly are caused by well the large cracks for me I normally see the large cracks being caused by a seedy toe which you know we don't normally see in really dry weather but if they already had seedy toe and it's not being uh, resected and treated uh, you're going to see big cracks even in the dry area dry weather. And then the small surface cracks or the sand cracks that you see they're Almost always diet-related, which, again, I'm going to go into in our nutrition episode. Um, In my area, it's normally copper-zinc deficiency, methionine, other amino acid deficiency. Um, I find when I get them on a good supplement uh, that grows out and it's quite dramatic the way it grows out. Trimming horses, oh, you know what? I'm going to move this part, which is trimming i'm going to put that down here with trimming for hard and soft footing we'll talk about that soon all right that's dry and hard, dry weather for me that's the kind of concerns for that so we've spoken about the soul shedding season as well being prepared yep let's have a little chat about the periopal so if we remember back to our anatomy episode um So I've just looked at my, I've got a blackboard painted on my wall and we've just come back from a little mini holiday and my sister's written, welcome home fam, with a lovely big phallic drawing. (laughs) I've just seen that. I've been home for a a week. Anyway, I don't know if I'll edit that out or not, but if I don't edit it out, then sorry guys. (laughs) Just thanks Natalie. (laughs) Oh, that's gold. Anyway, periopal. So if you think back to the anatomy episode, our periopal is that um, the very ex- the external hoof wall. So the uh, technical term for the periopal is the stratum externum. Uh, periopal comes from the Greek words peri, which means around, and opal for hoof, or hopal for hoof. So periopal. And so it's the outside covering, it, it's a grey. Uh, like especially when it gets wet it makes that that um it normally extends down uh you know a third or halfway down the foot um it produces a waxy coating it's contain it contains fats and waxes inside of it so and it swells up in wet weather and it become it can become very dry and crack in dry weather uh it's it, Either or, I don't see any negative effects from from dry or wet weather on the periopal. Uh, I just find it's just a very obvious change. So quite often we'll see the periopal when it swells up, it's quite sensitive to being knocked on things or um, to be abraded away. So you might find that up near the coronet, um, the swollen periopal might look like it's got like little bite marks out of it that's fine that I've never seen that cause an issue in any horses on my books Uh, and then as soon as the the rain you know or the wet weather dries up a little bit you know that doesn't have any problems like it that 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 goes away and then you know dry and cracking in dry weather it's it just exfoliates off easier the periopal becomes a lot it doesn't reach down the foot as far it it wears off easier um that's that's what we see in the periopal now, when I just wanted to touch tr- quickly on um, on when when they shed their souls, well, we we kind of spoke about that already. Um, the reason why when they shed their souls and then they have tall walls and they crack and split off and whatnot is because walls protect the soul and soul protects the walls. Right, which is why we don't like to have the hoof wall. Well, I don't like trimming the hoof wall to be too much higher than the sole in most situations. However, when we're trimming, when we're trimming for the weather, depending. So I change my trim depending on the weather, right? Depending on what what footing the horse is having to deal with uh, at the at that point in time. So when a hoof is standing on firm ground it doesn't have the opportunity to sink down into the ground much you're going to get less sole pressure or less um you know solar loading and more loading on any so any part of the hoof that's a little bit longer than the rest of it is, is going to bear more weight right so if, it, if we leave our walls a little bit longer during dry times it's going to put more pressure on the walls it's going to make the horse um uh Weight there, like peripherally. If we're leaving our walls a bit longer, so during during dry times, uh, it changes my trimming because I will have the sole. I want to load a little bit more of the sole, like the outer the outer periphery of the sole. will share the weight with the inner hoof wall for me. So I'll I'll, I'll end up trimming the, the the walls a bit shorter than than what I would otherwise. When the ground is soft or yielding or if say for instance it's a horse that gets worked on um, uh, sand a lot, having that peripheral loading is less of a problem because the hoof will sink into the ground a little bit. Even though it's got a long wall, the, the hoof sinks in just a little bit and then you still get that solar loading um, and that sharing of uh, sharing of the weight, like the weight distribution, is shared more evenly across the whole entire bottom of the foot. So I like so, but in softer ground, you need a little bit more traction. In my experience, for my for my horses, so I'll leave the walls in wet weather. I'll leave the walls a little bit longer because I know the horse is going to sink into the ground, and I know that those horses are going to need that that purchase that that um, just a little bit more. Uh, grip in the foot so I'll leave my bars a little bit longer I'll leave my walls just a little bit and it's not a lot it's only two three mils maybe maybe a little bit more than that depending on the horse uh but it's just enough that 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 I I know that that the horse is going to have just a little bit of grip there so it's a, that's the way I, I trim differently in dry weather versus wet weather Uh, And then like normal footing, I guess, that's a little bit like a little bit not firm, but I guess firm footing where it's not too hard and it's not too soft, where there's a little bit of sinking, it'll be somewhere in the middle there. I'll have my walls just a tiny bit taller, depending on the horse. So during really, so again, with trimming uh, in regards to environmental factors on the horse. So dry weather feet are really, really hard right? We know this. It is so hard. You see your farrier or your trimmer sweating more. You see them, you know, um, really struggling sometimes, especially if you've got a big, big hairy Clydesdale that's in a in a drought. So the nippers, like <laughs> the way that I use my nippers, I don't just do a flat cut all the way around the foot. I will use them on an, an open, cut or a closed cut depending on if I want to take wall down or if I want to bring flare in and I find if I'm wanting to bring a bit of flare in in these like when the feet are really dry this this, the hoof material can be very very slippery for the tools to grab on it's very hard to get the tools to grab into it looks like polished marble like I was saying before so um for me, this summer, I tried a new rasp. It's called the Cody James Dom Back Rasp. It's, and I used, I got the aggressive one. I didn't start off with the medium one like people tell you to. I got the aggressive one. And I tell you what, it made a really big difference for me this summer and my wrists uh, are thanking me for that purchase. But how can you as an owner help your farrier or your trimmer out when you when you know your horse's feet are really, really hard? So um, things that I've tried in the past is getting my owners to Yeah, you can soak the feet but soaking them for like 10 minutes before the farrier gets there isn't going to help us much it's just going to make wet feet so i have a friend in uh, texas and i i remember her saying that she uh, she's a trimmer over there and she said that she had client that oh clients maybe that got uh, a big square of carpet a plush carpet and went that down and get their horses to stand on that before like as they're waiting to be trimmed and that made a difference for her um or you could have uh my favorite is to overflow the water so that whenever your horse goes to get a drink they have to stand in mud just just while they get a drink and then they go and stand back in dry area again you're not going to get thrush issues from that in my opinion i don't see it that can really help keep the who's hydrated as well uh, so You know, oiling the feet and whatnot—I don't see that making any difference to moisture content in the horse's feet. Um, So that's how you could help out, I guess. Uh, Just having a think about—you know, increasing daily moisture every day in your horse's Um, feet—and also the healthier your the 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 better the nutrition, the healthier horse's feet are going to be, the easier they're going to be to trim. The last few things I wanted to say about environment. All right, pea gravel. That's right. I want to chat a little bit about pea gravel. So this isn't really – well, it is an environmental factor because it's terrain that the horse walks on. on. So the terrain that the horse walks on every day is going to make a difference to their hoof health, definitely. Um, Horses that live on soft pasture are going to struggle when they're on, you know, sharp gravel. Horses that live on sharp gravel – may or may not struggle but when they you know sharp gravel's not great for horses round gravel's great and we'll get into that in a sec um but what i like to do okay what i love my clients to do is so horses love to distribute their weight over as big a surface area as possible we've had a little chat about this before and pea gravel is a wonderful way to do that it's a conformable surface horses are and like they just love standing on it all day, every day, right? So, and the reason why is when the hoof sinks into the pea gravel, it, it's it's deformable, like it it conforms to the bottom of the foot. It, it like the hoof is easy, like the horse is able easily able to shift their weight around, so that they have perfect, you know, they'll they can align their bone column the way they like it. They can, um, you know, weight their foot the way it feels best for them, the blood flow will really open up. It stimulates the soles. It stimulates all those, um, uh, you know, light touch receptors in the bottom of the foot. They love standing on it. So the the better we, like like I said before, everything to do with the horse's foot has got to do with increasing um, uh, perfusion of blood evenly around the foot. And pea gravel really does stimulate soul. As well, it stimulates the salt to, to thicken up. It's it it can keep it nice and polished. It it stimulates thickness. It, it helps to make it denser. Oh, it's just amazing. So pea gravel, you want like the ten mil pea gravel. Oh, I don't know what that is in imperial. Sorry, but about ten mil pea gravel, about ten centimeters deep, ten ten, right? And uh, you can put that in their loafing areas. It's better for them to stand on it than move on it in my opinion um because if they're moving on it they tend to spread it out really thin whereas if it's in the loafing area they're just standing on it they're not moving it around too much not shifting it too much uh that can have a really positive effect on horses feet so if you spend and it can be a little bit expensive in sydney i think australian native landscape sells it for let me have a look um 10 millimeter pea um what do we call it do we call it it pea gravel in australia river gravel we call it in australia you guys call it pea gravel in the us it's loading please wait okay 106 dollars per ton and you're gonna need you're gonna need 500 ish to make a decent loafing area but then it's there it's done um, putting, like I've had clients put out nice big, um, sleepers, like wooden sleepers in a big area in the loafing area and filling that up and then just topping it up with like a tunnel too every year. You will thank me once you've implemented 10 mil river gravel. It's great. Right, I'm going to stop banging on about peat gravel now. Um, stone bruising. So people ask, because, because I do a lot of barefoot horses, people ask me about stone bruising and you know what, I really don't see it. Very much, unless the horse is, you know, um, subclinically laminitic or is, you know, full blown laminitic, I don't see problems with stone bruises very, very rarely, um, especially if the horse has got sufficient soul thickness. Um, but, you know, I, I have used in the past, I have used. Um, Whatever gravel area is available to me to condition my own horse's feet. So using the environment around you to your advantage as a, to condition your horse's feet, uh, especially if they live in a grass paddock and that's 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 the only like 20, 23, 22 hours a day. That's that's all that their hooves are touching i don't I don't worry too much about stone bruising if the horse is healthy enough and sound enough to be working and healthy and sound enough to be doing a bit of work on on gravel in my opinion. So I used to years ago, or well not that that not that long ago, five years ago, I had a little baby girl and she would only sleep in the car if the car was moving, and I wanted to get my horse fit enough to a vent. And that was very difficult, and I kept her on a – this is just an ex, as an example. I kept her on an old racehorse property, and they had lots of lanes, and all the lanes were filled with gravel, uh, like road base gravel. So sharp, but it was quite well worn down. Lots of – you know, it wasn't too harsh. And um, I used to do – she was quite well-trained, nice, quiet horse, or she is a nice, quiet horse most of the time, and she, I trained her to trot out. Like lead her out the window because that's how we used to bring her down from the back paddock. So I used to do trot sets out the window with my baby girl sleeping in the back of the back, of the, you know, in the car seat, and um doing trot sets out the window on the gravel. And that's how I got that mare sound. We only ever rode on grass, but she was sound enough to gallop downhill at Sydney International Equestrian Centre on gravel. You know, pretty pretty more cantering downhill. Let's be honest, it's only we only did um, intro level, but. She was very happy to gallop on all surfaces, even though she was kept on grass because I, I conditioned her feet on gravel. So use whatever you have in your horse's environment, even if that is just a gravel driveway. Or um, I know people uh, suggest walking on tarmac. I That's fine. I don't do a lot of work With horses on tarmac uh just because where we keep our horses like i live in semi-suburbia so there's lots of cars but um i would only suggest walking on tarmac there are studies and uh, i don't have them in front of me but from memory uh they especially if yours is shod with metal shoes uh keeping it down to a walk on the on the gravel is still going to give you that um uh like when you're legging them up it's still going to give you all the positive benefits of legging them up on on firmer ground without too much concussion in the feet um like i said i don't have any experience with snow and ice but i have heard how bad ice can be especially if it's muddy and then it freezes that can be very very difficult for horses to cope with uh so making sure that your horse has got like if it's muddy and you know it's going to freeze um, being prepared for that can be quite important. Uh, and desert hooves, I really don't have ex- any experience with desert hooves. I imagine from, especially from the Brumby studies, that there would be excessive wear, quite possibly. Um, Brian Hampson's Brumby studies—he actually did some, he did some cool stuff. where he, he noticed some cool stuff where uh, the Brumbies were squaring off their front feet. He's like, "What? Why is that happening?" And he discovered that they were actually digging for water sorry, <laughs> digging for water with their front feet and squaring off their toes because it was that abrasive. Um, so I thought that was really cool too. What else? That was all my notes that I had off the top of my head that I I banged out before I did that. So if you have any more suggestions on environmental, like honestly there's so many, I'm like, worried I worried when I thought, oh, let's do an episode on this because I thought I'm not going to have enough time to talk. Like I'm not going to make a whole episode out of this and now I've been going for what, nearly 40 minutes. Sorry, guys. Um, But just being mindful of the change in season is important for you as an owner. And also for us as fairies and trimmers, it's really important. But we see a lot of who's every day. So, we, we like, we see the first hints coming, especially if we've been in the game a couple of years. Um, you see the first hints coming and you know what's coming. And you can change your your trimming and your shoeing to accommodate what's, what's happening. Um, but being aware of that as an owner and also being aware that everything, like, changes in your horse's hoof soundness is not only related to the trim or the shoe job that your farrier has done. It's most of the time it's diet and environment related. And choosing a trimmer or farrier who is knowledgeable on uh, the issues in your area, like for me we have retracted soles, we have dry drought issues during summer and then we have quite bad wet periods when we get our floods. Um, so I'm quite, you know, uh, like I know the way the hooves are going to change over the course of a 12 months. So just having a chat with your farrier or your trimmer about that and and how you can be prepared for those times, uh, I think can really help the soundness and the out like like keeping your house, horse sound, keeping your horse under saddle, keeping your horse. Um, doing whatever job it is that you have your horse to do whether that be you know your your pet in the paddock and there's nothing wrong with that they're the happiest horses in the world or if they're your you know your high level endurance horse um, just being thoughtful and look you're listening to a hoof podcast you're already thoughtful about this kind of stuff so I really don't need to harp on about it. Anyway, I'm going to finish up now because it's nine o'clock at night and I just want to go having a cup of tea and have a chill out. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode and I will see you guys in hopefully a couple of weeks. Uh, uni's coming back soon so I will let you know if I want to swap to monthly podcasts rather than fortnightly. Uh, I'd really like to keep it up to fortnightly if I can help her. So anyway, I hope you have a good day. If you have really enjoyed the podcast today and would like to get in contact with me, you could search The Glorious Hoof on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram handle is at the Hoof AU. Or you could email me at Lisa at I hope to hear from you soon.